Hi, you're listening to This Food Thing with me, Gemma Richards. On this podcast, we discuss our relationship with food, whether it is easy or less so, and how it affects our behavior. I suffered with eating disorders for years, and it took everything to pull through. Now that I'm at the other side, I want to open up the conversation, find out how other people manage this basic and most fundamental of relationships. I'm taking a light approach, but I think if this area of our lives is skewed, then so is the rest. It's never just about food. Welcome back to this Food Thing podcast. Today I'm here with Maria Ginasu. Maria is a psychologist and educator who uses movement, dance, drawing and creative writing to help people overcome disordered eating and manage feelings of dissociation from their bodies. On a personal level, the passing of Maria's mum in 2018 compounded her own issues around body image and self-esteem. But by dealing with her grief, she was able to connect with the concept of the home body and gain clarity on how best to support others. Maria, welcome to this Food Thing podcast. Hello, Gemma. Thanks a lot for having me. That's an absolute pleasure. Before we dive in, just tell me a little bit about the concept of the home body. Uh, I'm really happy that you start with that question. Home body is, is basically the journey that I have been through, especially since my mum passed, as you mentioned it. Yeah. Um, but it's been kind of like in my in my life, and it's basically that kind of very natural, organic connection, kind of daily connection with the body that could okay. help us feel that we're at home. So it's imagine the body as a kind of like, yeah, that that sacred land that we can always that that is always there for us, and that brings so much safety. And yeah, and like this comfort that we we need to to live our lives. Did you find that well, my experience of grief um, mm-hmm. is that, um, and and many other things is, was that I was out of my body. Yes, totally. Yeah. Um, especially, um, I was thinking about um, the day that that my mum passed. It was quite unexpected. And I also, I was in the UK and as, wow. as you, as you know, I'm from Argentina. Yeah. So when I, when I got the call from my brother, I was basically in that kind of famous state that we call, you know, that um, fight or flight. Yeah. But, yeah. but I, in my case, it's fight or flight or freeze. And I was like in this sort of like frozen state. Wow. And that's when it, it came a period that was like very dissociated with my body. And even though I grew up as a dancer and I was always being like connected to the body, but also being like disconnected to my body during the, my teens. But especially that time when my mum died, it was, a, it was a quite few months that I was totally dissociated. And to my mind, that means that I was on a survivor mode. Yeah. So sometimes we need it. And it's okay, and there's nothing wrong about that. But there is a time when we sort of like very slowly, very progressively, um, we have this sort of like invitations, invitations to go back to our bodies. Sure, sure. Okay, so that I understand now the concept of the home body. It's a place of safety and reliability, and well, it's your home, isn't it? And and yeah. you're meant to feel safe in your home. And uh, yeah, yeah, we live in our bodies, physical bodies. Um, That was a beautiful explanation. Thank you. In light of that, I'm so sorry to hear about your mum as well. So sorry. Thank you, Jamal. In light of that, 
re-food being <laughs> such a massive jump. Grief to food. Um, <laughs> would you say that food is your friend or your foe? I think now after the healing journey that I have been through, it's certainly my friend. Okay. And I do feel that there is a very strong connection between grief and food, you know? <laughs> yeah, please talk about that. Um, because like um, during my grief, especially, you know, that um, the first the first months, um, because we live in this society that we just don't know how to grieve. Yeah, we just, yeah. we grief is such an ancient, ancient concept, right? That we are, we're meant to do it with, with others in community, but we somehow have learned to do it alone, you know, in yeah. this kind of like quite quiet, silent place. Um, and in a way, food is a way to sort of process that grief and how to sort of like food instead of being that sort of ally that I always feel that is so important to talk, we can talk about that later, but in a way the first, the first few months I was not interested in eating. I was not interested in kind of food, the pleasure of food, you know, the colors, the textures, because yeah. I was so dissociated from my body and I was in such a deep sadness that my grief definitely impacted my food. And because at the beginning, I just couldn't find the words to express what was going on in my mind. I kind of like, kind of, took it on food somehow, you know, and, and, yeah. and I think that's, um, that's a very strong connection that I feel that we, that's why that I feel like it's very important to talk about, especially when we're grieving, how food is such a nurturing and such an important thing in our lives as well as sleep. Did you, did you have any hunger or thirst or were you completely shut down? I was really, yeah, like very shut down and I would just only have like, you know, like sandwiches and just porridge. <laughs> yeah, easy food, um, baby food. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, 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 I get it. Um, yeah, and, and, and that, that kind of reminded me a bit, you know, when I was young and I was a teenager, as I mentioned before, I also kind of struggled with the same concept of like the lack of interest in food. So where did that where did that come from? Because I'm I'm picking up that obviously there were, let's say there were maybe some issues there already. Mm -hmm. If you, where do you go back to when you say, ah, it was around about that time, and it was because of this and and that? Because you're a psychologist, so I'm sure you've done all this work. <laughs> yeah. I hope you I hope, I hope yeah. you have. <laughs> yeah, so many years in therapy. <laughs> yeah. yeah, exactly. Time to leave now. <laughs> um. So this, I think this goes back a bit to, you know, when I was a teenager. Okay. And and that time, you know, when I was like 18, 17 years old, finishing secondary school. Yeah. About to start university. And yeah, going going through that sort of like, that existential question, you know, that as a psychologist, I love like, who am I? You know, <laughs> yeah, like, sure. where am I going? And since I was uh, quite young, I, I had this kind of strong interest in like the body the mind, you know, and uh, and that's when I started sort of feeling that kind of not feeling comfortable with my body, and and also like like the, the people that um, at school, you know, they're like such beautiful women, like gorgeous, and I always felt that I was not enough, and especially you know being a dancer, there was always this feeling that 
you have to be you have to be skinny and the body has to be you know like this and like that so yeah. there was a time that i developed a bit of like oh is my body too too big too this too much and you know and that's when i got like really uncomfortable with that concept and then my kind of my kind of reaction to this was like okay I'm not going to eat. But then I started feeling like, well, I'm not quite interested in food. And there was a year that, yeah, I felt like I was also not, not connected to my feelings. So that's why like, the dissociation is so connected, you know. And I think there was also a lot of grief of like understanding that now I'm, I, was, I was becoming an adult, you know, and I have to make decisions. And, and, and my family also was going through a lot of changes at that time. Okay. So... So yeah, that that so my kind of reaction was like connect, disconnecting and and not having any any kind of like pleasure or or kind of interest in food, and then yeah, sorry. Uh, no, I'm no, I've got loads of questions to ask you. Well, <laughs> a, I'm I'm interested in what messages you received about food from your family, um, and particularly from your mum, uh, because. Well, she, normally your mum's is the main nurturing figure, really. I know not for everybody, but um, and and the sort of family dynamic around food, and also that actually once you make that decision not to eat, it's really quite easy, isn't it? Yeah. So, yeah, yeah. so what was going on when you were little in, in your family? So, around so food? I grew up. Yeah. So, um, so in Argentina, now there is a quite quite interesting concept of like this or, or when I grew up you know because I left Argentina 10 years ago so things have changed but when I grew up there was this sort of like this strong sense of like a skinny beautiful woman you know and yeah. and in a way we kind of like we all grew up with that concept I'm speaking like in my con uh, you know in my country but I'm For pretty sure. sure this is a worldwide yeah. concept For you sure. know what I mean yeah. and um and then yeah like and I, my my mum has always was always very very interested in her figure, and she was a gorgeous woman. She she um, she used to be a model, you know, for right. a bit, like a, right. you know, in the the in Mendoza where I'm from. Okay. And um, so there was this kind of idea of like me growing growing up with such a gorgeous mum, yeah. But my mum mm. was always like a very healthy woman, and she always sort of encouraged me to eat healthily and like to eat what I want. You know, it was more. It was more myself that I was very kind of not connected to my secondary school and the environment because I, I, I went to this school that, that people were like, yeah, really, really beautiful, you know, quite a lot of resources, mm-hmm. being able to do lots of things, going skiing, going to Cancun. So it was very sort of, yeah, it was a very kind of special context where if you didn't feel like that, you, you could find yourself in a situation of like struggling a bit. So were you there on a scholarship or something? No, I was like, no, that, that was like my, my secondary school. And it was an, it was, um, an, inter- an international school, sort of oh. like bilingual. Okay. So yeah, so it was like quite, yeah. So we, we kind of like grew up in this idea, like my dad took us to school, but we couldn't sort of like afford that kind of lifestyle. I understand. So, so it was quite tricky for me, you know, and and seeing everyone so gorgeous around me, and also being into being into dance, and being a, wanted to be a dancer. And also, I remember like one of my teachers would just tell 
would just tell us like, okay, if you carry on eating cakes, you're not going to be able to fit in this dress, you know? And right, I was like, oh right. my God. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> so, so, okay. So you did a lot of com- comparing yourself to other, yeah. other girls. Yeah. Which is really normal. Yeah. And then you, you went to uni. So did you do a dance degree at uni? Were you, did you try and become a professional dancer or are you still or? No, I, I did psychology. Oh, and, okay. and I did like the dance alongside. Okay. And, and now I was also doing fire dancing. So wow. I just, yeah, so I just got really into the sort of like performance arts, you know? Great. And, and psychology, doing psychology was incredible, you know? And I absolutely loved it. And there, it was hard work. And, but it kind of helped me understand a lot my my lack of confidence, you know, my kind of constant comparison when I was a teenager and probably how I sometimes struggle in my secondary school and how sometimes I felt a bit of like the, the, the outsider in a way. And I was really into like arts and, you know, and like dance and theatre. And I felt in a way that I was not kind of the cool girl, if you know what I mean. No, sure. So, <laughs> just, oh, yeah, completely. So, <laughs> so just, just trying to kind of work out a wobbly timeline here. Were you were you eating when you were at uni studying psychology? Yeah. Okay. Yeah, so, so, so your your issues really happened, as you said. I'm just a bit slow picking up here. As you said, when you were a teenager, and then when the passing of your mum, then they all rocked up again. Yeah. 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 Um, so. Basically, my my kind of like issues around food and my body image was like my last days of my last year, sorry, of secondary school. Right. Okay. That was like quite tricky for me. And then uni, I felt like back again, you know. And I and I met like really lovely people at university that I felt like really connected with, and and I felt part of of a group, you know, like and that kind of made me feel really grounded. And then when my mom when my mom passed. There was this sense of like, yeah, not not interested in like eating. And my mum was like an amazing cook, you know, very Italian, you know, all the, all yeah. the food that we will eat at home. Yeah. And um, yeah, and like, and then I had those kind of months that I was very lost. And and that's when like, then I decided to do my training, my somatic psychology training and expressive arts in California. And that kind of, shook me off you know kind of make me realize like this concept of like home body is it's just it's just my my anchor and that's something that i want to have for hopefully for 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 my whole life you know that's very interesting we're just going to take a little break we'll be right back You're listening to This Food Thing with me, Gemma Richards. Hi, welcome back to This Food Thing podcast. I'm here with Maria, Maria Ginazu. I have to say that, Maria. I've perfected it now. Ginazu. Beautiful, beautiful. Oh, and I've hit the microphone. So I'm interested in, okay, so you're in the depths of grief. You don't want to eat. You have no appetite. How long did, and then you go to California to mm-hmm. do your somatic training, very mm-hmm. which is very canny, isn't it? You're very... <laughs> yeah. pro- no, but seriously, properly looking after yourself at some yeah, level that you probably weren't conscious of. Totally. How long How long did it last, that 
that time period when before you went to California and what jolted you out because not everyone gets jolted out it could have yeah. set you down another path yeah yeah no definitely um you know that period she she passed away and it was it was april and and that period until september it was proper proper numbness mm. you know like the kind of not not interested in like socializing um kind of kind of a bit of like forcing myself to go out and have a have a, a meal with friends or, or whatever mm. and uh, and that was that was very tricky for me because you know i i've always i always enjoy the kind of yeah doing things like um dancing um going out with with friends and and i felt really kind of yeah lack of lack of interest and and that's when I, I received an email from my school in California that is called Tamalpa. Mm. And I applied for this school a year ago, but I, but I decided to, to postpone it because I felt like um, it was not the right time. And I was a bit worried about my finances. And, and I thought maybe, maybe it's better to just wait. And then I got this email and I remember that day I was like, yes, I'm going to do it. Yeah. I feel a bit like a, a very powerful sign. Yeah. Um, and it was a very intuitive decision that my two, my two brothers, you know, they were like, what, what, what are you doing? Like, why is, isn't that too soon? <laughs> <laughs> and, and I felt like, no, um, it just feels right. You know, but like you said it very, very well. Like I just didn't have any logic explanation of why I was doing that. It just felt right. And then when I got there, it was this beautiful studio in Northern California. Um, and it was surrounded by redwood trees and it was by the Pacific Ocean. And I remember the first day that I got there, I just felt like this kind of like. <sighs> wow. Did just you feel kind yourself of, coming back to life a little bit? Yeah, I feel that kind of. Um, it just gives me goosebumps to remember yeah, that moment, you know, to listen to it. <laughs> because it was such a powerful moment that it made me feel like um, you're just reclaiming yourself. You yeah. Know? And the healing power of the ocean and nature and yeah. just not to be underestimated totally. ever. Totally. Yeah. And in, at that time I was living in London and I felt so lost in London and I felt like, like there was, there was no point for me being there. Um, and just taking that pause and not not working for a few months, but also being in one of the most expensive places in the world, which is California. Yeah. Um, yeah. I was a bit like, okay, I, I, I don't know how this is going to work out, but, but it will work out. You know, I just need to trust, to trust this process. And and it worked out, you know. And, um, and how I long was, how, sorry to interrupt, but how long yeah. was your course? It was in total, the whole journey was six months. Okay. So how did you how did you feel at the end? Can you sum that up? It was very difficult to come back to the UK, you know. I really wanted to stay in this kind of journey of of unpacking my grief, unpacking my relationship with my body. And also something that is quite important is that when my mum passed, I was I was twenty nine years old. So I was a so I was about to turn thirty, you know, and I hold the kind of leaving your twenties kind of ended up being quite chaotic. Yeah. Um, 
but I was not interested in even drinking, you know, I, I just, I just didn't even drink alcohol or anything. I was so kind of numb, but yeah. then this experience allowed me to very gently, very progressively start finding that sort of pleasure in food, in doing things, in movement, in, in connecting with, with my body, you know, um, in, sense, you know, in sensuality. Yeah, yeah, totally. So do you, so when you, uh, was it like a thawing out process or do you know, did you hold your grief in all of your body? Was it like yeah. an armour shattering? Yeah. Was it in, you know, a bit here, a bit there? To me, it just felt like on my chest and especially oh. like, yeah, like felt like my chest was like super tight and I would just have all these dreams that, I would just like save my mum, you know, wow. and all this kind of constant dreams. And I would just wake up with a very tight chest. Yeah. That, that it just got the point that I was, I was deeply sad, you know, and especially mm. because like, um, I, I do feel like um, losing one of our parents is one of the most difficult things because it's that unconditional love. Yes. It's like Which someone is, pulls a socket out of the yeah. circuit board, isn't it? It's like being pulled out of... Yeah, <clears throat> I know. Exactly. And and then there was my question around, like, I couldn't say goodbye to her. But then there's also my other point of like, well, well, this is not about this is not about me. This is about her. And, and she she left without suffering, you know, so yeah. it's just reframing all this kind of stuff and making like this is yeah, like I said, this is not about me. This is about, about what she needed and what happened to her. So like kind of changing all those narratives is so challenging right mm. but it kind of it kind of helps us to to understand how powerful grief is and by allowing grief to unfold to sort of show us all the different layers the sadness the anger you know the despair the hopelessness it just makes us grow and expand so much do you hear something? Uh, your mum was a great cook <laughs> and you enjoyed food. Does, when you got your appetite back, hmm. did it feel like you were reconnecting with your mum? Did it feel yeah. like something deep and important that you honoured that relationship with food, it being such a fundamental one for your mother? Yeah, that's such a good question because, you know, like I remember when I came back to the UK, I found a few emails that she sent me um, with recipes. Oh, brilliant. With her recipes. So I kind of like, I kind of like studied doing that. Um, and then when I came back, I met my, my boyfriend. Um, oh, lovely. And, and kind of like showing him the, these recipes also was really beautiful, you know, and like. Yeah. So, yeah. So it was really nice to sort of share these recipes with him and explain it. And also, I feel it was in a way to, for him to get to know my mum. Yeah, and also eating is life force, isn't it? So totally. you're continually affirming yeah. her her life and your life and that relationship. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Wow. So, um, actually, yeah, is this something that you, you cook, that your mum used to cook a lot? Yeah, like I... Um, so... So I'm I'm vegetarian, you know, but mm -hmm. um, 
but my mum was very, very super sweet and also growing, you know, in the, um, in Argentina where meat is so important. Yeah. <laughs> my mum would always be so sweet and make something veggie for me. And I okay. have two older brothers, like I said before, and they love their meat. Yeah. So I will always have like, my mum will always make like amazing quiche, you know, and like lots of different like colorful salads uh-huh. and, and amazing pasta she was not into like Indian and Thai and all that kind of food because in Argentina we're not exposed to that you know yeah so I just came across with all these amazing kind of cuisines when I moved to London but so I didn't grow up like eating curry you know so that's not something that I associate with my mum but I associate all the Italian Mediterranean cuisine Yes. When we went, when we went to Buenos Aires, cause I'm pretty much vegan. Um, I keep saying I'm a vegan, but I had some muscles the other day. So I have to fess up and say, I'm pretty much vegan. <laughs> um, yeah. yeah, I think there was an egg there once or twice. And, um, and so we landed and we, we stayed in Palermo and we, we went to this hotel and next door to the hotel was the famous Argentine steakhouse. Called, I think it's called, is it called Don Julio? Oh my God. Yeah. I've heard yeah. about it. So yeah. there I am off the plane. It was a really <laughs> long flight. It was a terrible flight because everything kind of went wrong. And my husband's tucking into a massive steak, not that he eats steak very much, but he was damn sure he was going to eat steak in Don Julio. And I had this tomato salad, but I have to say it was the best tomato salad I've ever had. <laughs> I just thought it was ironic that I was there celebrating the Argentinian steak. <laughs> Beef, beef market, you know. Oh, that's that's brilliant. Well, you know, like that's something that I miss a bit. Like you know, that that the taste and the juice and the flavour of those fruits and vegetables. Yeah, they're fantastic, aren't they? Yeah, yeah, yeah absolutely. Yeah. Let's take a quick break. We'll be back in a moment. You're listening to This Food Thing with me, Gemma Richards. Hi, welcome back to This Food Thing. I'm laughing with Maria because I just <laughs> I just did a quick break and she said 10 to 6, I've got to go by 10 to 6. And I'm thinking, gosh, it's 5.44 and actually she meant 10 past. So we're going we're gonna to chat on a little bit more just for a few more minutes and listeners can bear it. Um, yes, we're talking about the Argentinian steakhouse, weren't we? Um, yeah. I'm so... What... Yes, what what triggered your interest in helping people with disordered eating? Is, mm. Was that just from your direct experience or how did that come about? Yeah, um, it just came, yeah, definitely my experience. Um, yeah, my, my, experience my, my personal experience was the main thing, definitely. Okay. And then, like I said before, when I, when I studied psychology, I just found that, I just found amazing tutors and also... I was doing therapy because we have to do therapy what we study in psychology in Argentina. So, and then I had an incredible therapist that we, we work a lot around this theme, around uh, body image, mm-hmm. around, yeah, all the narratives around that. And I found it so healing and so profound and also so lucky that I was around people that support me a lot, that, um, that I found myself in that kind of journey to feel that, I, I feel ready to support people, you know, and, and especially my experience in California with this embodiment work, I, I learned so many tools, so many resources that, that when I came back to London, I started working at Amy Winehouse Foundation. 
in East London. Okay. So it's this is beautiful charity that has 16 residential girls living there, so residential service, and they're all girls recovering from addictions and eating disorders. Okay. So I so I so I contact them and I kind of like propose this this sort of program around embodiment and using the arts, using yeah. drawing, writing. And yeah, they, they, they said, yeah, let's give it a go. And then we kind of started working one-to-one and then I did a few groups. And that kind of experience made me realize how valuable this work could be for people struggling with eating disorders. What do you think, what do you think is, um, if you can, the common mm. complaint? What was the common complaint amongst those girls with eating disorders about their bodies? Just... Most of the girls that I work that I work with, the the most it was the hips, their legs. Um, right. Also, they were because they were living together. They compare a lot. So let's say if one girl managed to get like this this weight, and they would share with others, then that would trigger a lot of things. You know, even thinking about the period. You know, if if one of their girls will have the period, they would feel really frustrated. So kind of. Like breaking through those narratives was also really powerful. But most of all, was like this feeling of dysmorphia. You know, that's the thing that ah. they said a lot. So when so they felt too big. Exactly. Were they able to get to grips with? Because it's not just about being too big. It's about the feel. What's the feeling yeah. of being too big? Did they? Exactly. Were you able to get to grips with that with them? With some girls, yes. And I have to say that drawing you know uh, the subtle movement the kind of like I, I basically I guide this this girls and also I did it in in, in my my job so so in Brighton I have oh, I have also done that it's a it's a guidance through the body very gentle and tapping into all the kind of themes around the body you know so thinking, if I if I came to you and yeah. I said my thighs are too big and my hips are too big and we sat down to do some drawing. I'm sorry, I'm breaking it down to be very simple. Yeah. Tell me, what would we do? So first we're going to start, we, we would start with with a kind of embodiment exercise, you know. Okay, what is that? Before before the, the drawing. So first I'm, I'm going to ask you to sort of close your eyes and I will, I'm just going to guide you through a, through a very short kind of meditation slash visualisation okay. to kind of... To set a bit like the atmosphere that to for you to tune into this space to be connected to it into my and, body, mm -hmm, and then okay. slowly, I'm going to ask you to start making specific movements in relation to that part of the body that you that you suggested that you mentioned that that's the body that's a part of the body that is making you feel uncomfortable. Okay, so let's so if I, I've make, I'm making movement, maybe I tap my thigh or something. Mm -hmm. So then, so then, I'm, so then I'm going to ask you, how does it feel to tap your your thigh? Okay, yeah. and I'm going to say, oh, it feels, I don't like it. It feels soft. It feels soft. Okay, and then I'm going to ask you to to tune into that softness. If you uh, can, if you can imagine that softness, then uh, yeah. Okay, I'm imagining it, and it feels, um, it feels all kind of uh, squidgy, squidgy soft. Squidgy. Okay, and can you turn that? that squeegee softness into a movement? Can you make a movement that could represent that, 
that texture, that sensation. So then I move my body. So would maybe yeah. I'd move, maybe I'd sweep my arm to the side or something. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Okay, okay. Yeah, and then and then the idea is to start exploring what my my teachers said, um, the body metaphors. Yeah. Ah, okay. So what are the kind of metaphors, what are the kind of feelings, ideas in relation to that part of the body? So if we're talking about thighs, we'll be talking about the legs and feet. So then, so then we're going to try to connect all those kind of sensations that you mentioned to a theme that will be like, where am I standing, you know? Yeah. And where am for, I going? Okay, of course. And also for for women, we hold a lot of grief in our hips, don't we? Totally. Yeah, no, And totally. our thighs are, you know, often closed because we want to be private and we hold a lot yeah. of childhood stuff on our thighs and... Totally. And that part specifically is very important to do it very gently. Yeah. Mm. So, so that's something that if, if, if I'm, if I'm kind of like sensing that the, um, the other person is not ready for that, we just stop there, you know, and then what we're going to do is that we move on to the drawing. So the idea now is to just like that transition to turn all the movements into an image. Ah, you know, and that image could be anything. It doesn't have to be like some girls like to sort of draw, you know, their like proper thighs, legs, but others like to draw like, for example, a flower or a tree. Hmm? Okay. I remember one drew a planet. Wow. You know, so that's kind of, it could be very, yeah, it's very, it could be very abstract. Yeah. And is it just, it? Is it the act of physicalizing it? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Enactment. Mm-hmm. Yes, that that puts it out there, gets it whatever that those uncomfortable feelings are, gets it out onto the page, and it can be seen. And then the space, isn't it? Because it's moved yeah. from one place to the other. Exactly. Yeah. And and it's also it's always really important to sort of think about what's the quality that I need today. You know, how far do I want to do? I don't need to push it. You know, it's more about like opening something but learning how to close it. So that's the thing that I always tell the girls, you know, that's the work that we do. How, um, how successful do you think it is? I, I think like it's, it's so profound and so deep and especially with eating disorders that is so complex. You know, there's so many things happening there and, and doing like CBT is great. And I don't have anything against it, but I do think that we're missing that sort of like tapping into all those feelings behind that, behind the eating disorder. And I, I, can I can I just say something, Maria? Yeah, I've yeah. said this before. I had CBT and I thought it was rubbish. <laughs> yeah. I'm just, my experience of it was really annoying. I had an elastic band around my wrist, yeah. which I pinged. I oh, know, I don't, yeah, don't like and that. And yeah. it really <laughs> hacked me off, I have to say. And yeah. I had lots and lots of talking therapies and did many other things. And But I also know that talking therapy isn't for everybody. And that's exactly. very much dependent on the therapist that you have. And yeah, and there is this huge, um, uh, like, miss on. Yeah being creative yeah 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 and i do feel from you know it's so interesting that you're that you're saying this because you know my um i'm, I'm doing my doctorate in psychotherapy and counseling psychologist to be able to work as a, as a psychologist in the uk and my mm. my last essay was on art, um, expressive art therapy and, and eating disorders and cbt 
and and that's kind of yeah that that like you're saying like we're just missing something there and and i do feel for some people especially eating disorder especially anorexia there is this this inability this i don't want to say inability but there's like this it's kind of difficulty in expressing things by saying and um, my my proposal my invitation is to tap into those feelings that they're so difficult and so challenging because like you said they just go back to childhood some of them Mm. um and there is so there's so many projects out there at the moment especially like in the us is so big in this like looking at how also girls struggling with eating disorders and finding their expressive art therapy is quite 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 positive experience but like you said it's not for everyone yeah but also you know we can, we hold our emotions and our feelings in our body yeah don't we yeah and we're so out of touch well many of us yeah i'm including myself there um that yeah so we're back to this the concept of of the home body mm. um what was i going to say it's just flown out of my single brain cell that i have left <laughs> we're talking about, that's my punishment for being rude about cbt no it's okay I mean I totally get it so don't worry (laughs) okay Okay. we're in agreement um uh uh, uh, psychology psychology um did you have any did you treat any boys do you have any boys with eating disorders or men or um I'm starting to work with men but most of my experience Gemma is with young women and women so how how old are the young women um, teenagers, so starting from 16. Okay. Is there an, an issue around, oh, what is it? I'm just thinking of myself as a 16-year-old. I know 16-year-olds mm. are much more switched on because <laughs> I am ancient. Um, there's, it's just the ability to cognitively understand what's going yeah. on. And it's particularly... Yeah. I mean, you know, my experience with eating disorders and still to this day, very, I was very defensive. Um, but then you can break, you can break that down, can't you, with movement and creativity and art and something that isn't about the thing. Yeah. Of course yeah, it yeah. is about the thing, but it isn't about the thing. And that gives you enormous freedom or people great freedom. Totally. And this is kind of, this kind of thing also that for me is so powerful, this work, because also this kind of ideas that we have around art, you know, like how many times have we said like, no, I, I don't know how to draw, so no, no, I'm rubbish at it. But this mm. is not about being good or bad. This is about just kind of finding a vehicle, a way to express what's going on in our bodies. And the nice thing about moving from movement to drawing, and then if we have time, we move on to a, um, a piece of writing. Oh, do that, you? Yeah. After the drawing, you write? Yeah. Oh or, yeah, and sometimes, or sometimes, if we don't have time, um, I ask them to do it during the week whenever they have time. So it's a way of like the completion, right? Yeah. And for me, that's that's so beautiful because it's it's a multimodal art approach that kind of encapsulates the three different ways to express ourselves. But it's all going back to the body metaphor. You know, it's all going back to how is my body feeling. But how are my emotions and how is my imagination? So it's kind of like connecting all these different different um, sides that we have, the physical body, the mental, the emotional and the spiritual. And has 
does this work? Okay, so you were working for the Amy Winehouse Foundation. Yeah. But the work that you're talking about, and you said that it's funded in the US, is it being funded in the UK? Yeah, I feel like the UK is getting bigger at this. Um, but um, but I, I do feel like there is a long way to go. And I'm, the reason why there is a long way to go, it's because... As you know, like CBT is the more mainstream because it yeah, has like got... scientific evidence, you know. Yeah, yeah, and yeah, yeah. was like this work is really difficult to quantify because sure. it's such a personal work, you know, yeah. like we all experience very differently. So that's why there is this whole range of like skepticism around like, mm, not quite sure. But if if we kind of like start doing this from my early age, and I do feel this would be such a beautiful work also in primary school, you know. Yeah. I know because it's kind of like it's is teaching ourselves how to connect with that sacred temple that is our body. Yes, which is a completely alien concept for most people. But if you have a, an eating disorder, yeah, you're just like, what are you talking about? Exactly. They must just look at you going, what are you saying to me? Yeah, yeah. yeah. Did Was it, I imagine with some people, it was quite instant, the progress yeah, and for some people it was like back and forth, back and forth, yeah, back and forth. Yeah, 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 and, yeah. And and usually um, because you know with with eating disorders there is this comorbid um, diagnosis with, for example, that the the one that is called um, borderline personality disorder. And now now we changed the name to unstable. Yeah, right, um, emotionally right. unstable. <laughs> so the reason why I'm saying this is because there's also this kind of this kind of tricky aspect of it, like we're having. We're also having to work not just with eating disorder, but also with that with the impulsive behavior of like saying, I don't wanna I don't wanna do this anymore, you know, Maria, I don't like it. But then tomorrow they said, Okay, let's do a session, you know. Right. So it's also dealing with that kind of yeah, that that kind of like impulse for them to sort of act and then they think about it. So so for some people it worked very well. And for some, some of the girls have been like, no, it's not for me, you know, and, and, and I, and for me, it's also a, a lesson. And I learn a lot from, from the women that I work with, because as, um, as a psychologist, as a therapist, I want to be in the UK. The most important thing is to think about like, how is this serving for the other people? Yeah. Because I feel like it's really powerful and it helped me a lot, but that doesn't mean that it's going to help everyone, you know? So, yeah, for sure. so it's just going on like, so if your body had a voice, what would it say? That's the question that I always ask. If your, if your, if your rib cage had a voice, what would it say? Yeah. And like it's tuning into those kind of like the body language. So are you, you're training to be a psychologist. Mm -hmm. Are you, um, are you training with clients? Are you, can people, people can go to your website. You have a new website, don't you? Which I'm going to yeah, put the information thank on you the, so much. Yeah. can you just say the name of the website for the listeners? Yeah. So it's this little project that I started with my friend um, called the Embodiment Corner. Okay. And um, yeah. So are you, are you practicing with people? That's what I really want to ask. Yeah. So I'm, I'm working at the moment with an organization in, in Brighton. Okay. With BHD. And and I have I have started running this group session since last year. So I run this kind of small groups with maximum six people. And it's also really powerful to work with with others because it's this kind of yeah, the feeling of like being witness. So yeah, I'm running this this small groups and 
And if people would like to join, we're 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 doing one on 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 Wednesday, the 9th of June, twenty twenty one. Not twenty twenty five, in case anyone's <laughs> listening. Or twenty thirty one. It's finished. <laughs> <laughs> okay, terrific. Um, so people can contact you. That's oh, what yeah, you're that, saying. Yeah, yeah, they can, and and this is all welcome. And like I said before. You don't need to be a dancer. You don't need to be a, uh, an artist. You you just you just need to have that sort of curiosity and openness to, in a way, give yourself that that opportunity and that kind of a space to explore. How does it feel? Kind of tuning into this body language and um, embody that ex- that experience. Yeah. Um, no, I'm just thinking. It's because life is a journey of emotion, isn't it? It's a journey yeah. of feeling. I remember someone saying that to me once and I, I looked at him as if he was absolutely bonkers. <laughs> <laughs> In the same way as maybe some of your girls looked at you. But it is, it's it's that it's how we feel. It's how we feel. Um I've got one eye on the clock here. My final question, Maria, it's been an absolute pleasure to talk nice. with you and interview. Just fantastic. Um yeah, look at Maria's website. It will be on the Instagram page and underneath the details of the podcast. So five foods. If you were going to an island, mm-hmm. what five foods would you take to an island? And you do have a cupboard with condiments, salt and pepper, a few herbs and spices, a bit of oil in, okay? Mm-hmm. So five? Yeah. Oh, wow. Okay. Lots of people cheat. <laughs> <laughs> Boys so, always cheat. <laughs> um, I know this is... I definitely, definitely would take spinach, like lots of spinach. Okay, 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 cool. You've got spinach is number one. <laughs> spinach number one. Yeah. Um, I will have definitely my um, my courgettes there as well. Okay, okay. Mm-hmm. Spinach and courgettes. My tomatoes. Tomatoes. Um, rocket. And as my... in rocket, as in the lettuce rocket. Yeah, uh, yeah, yes. yeah, yeah. Okay. Yeah, I love it. And my last one, definitely raspberries. <laughs> that's like the healthiest cleanest that's the healthiest list I've ever heard oh, really? I'm, not, I'm not coming to your island no I am I'm going to come to your island I'm going to bring my crisps with me I just love that I love the simplicity of it and so many things you can do with that yeah well you're going back to your roots aren't you and um and that's what yeah. mum cooked so yes yeah. you have yeah you have that's that a great point yeah, yes absolutely. That, that reminds me of my mama so yeah Beautiful, beautiful. Thank you so much for coming on this Food Thing podcast. Thank you. Thanks to you, Gemma. It was a pleasure. Thank you so much for having me. And yeah, I really enjoy this. And yeah, hope to see you soon. Me too. Thanks for listening. I'd love to know your favourite bit from this episode. Let me know on Instagram at This Food Thing Podcast or join us again in the next episode.